Hey listeners, so sorry for the continued gaps. It's hard for us to meet with Bobby's new fast-paced influencer lifestyle. But here's a freebie from behind the Patreon paywall. The Venture Bros Bros, a new show by me and Clark, talking about one of our favorite TV shows of all time, The Venture Bros. It's encouraged you watch the episode to follow along, but it's not necessary. Clark does a great job recapping it, and if you've never seen the show before, you should really start. It's great. Included in this jumbo episode is the pilot that will kind of summarize the series as a whole, and then a fan-favorite episode with a lot of Smurf facts. Enjoy, and we'll have D&D content for you soon. Uh, hello and welcome to a very special Patreon exclusive, or maybe released eventually not on Patreon, who knows. I am one of the uh, malevolent co-hosts, uh, Clark, and I have recently invented an advanced water by adding an extra molecule of oxygen to normal water. I have created advanced water. So far, we're still in the testing phases, but uh, only 76% of the hamsters are dead. So I think that those are good numbers so far. And with me, as always, is jo- I'm joined by Winston. That sounds so refreshing. God, like twice as much. Uh, so I'm Winston, and I invented a skate pod with two doors in case it lands face down. <laughs> Where are we going to go poo-poo? <laughs> uh, today we are going to be talking about a show that both me and Winston uh, really enjoy, and one of the things that uh, sort of, I guess, kind of brought us together during our initial time knowing each other during high school, and that is The Venture Bros. It, it's a long-running comedy show uh, that uh, aired on Adult Swim, just kind of like a parody of the old-school Johnny Quest, sort of around Scooby-Doo days. Uh, show um, it is incredibly complex and incredibly simple simultaneously uh, and it basically uh, me and Winston just just love this thing some might say Winston. it has a labyrinth of canon I'm oh my God. I'm reading this, reading this from this the script verbatim? because I really like that verbiage labyrinth of canon thank okay. you absolutely so uh, let's just sort of talk about this show here. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this, uh, the sort of uh, uh, labyrinth of text that you wrote us here. Jackson Public, uh, Chris McCulloch, i.e., was a writer on The Tick and initially saw The Venture Bros as a comic book written and drawn by himself. But after writing the comic script in the screenwriting program, he realized its potential as an animated series. After Comedy Central turned it down, a new network called Adult Swim ordered a pilot. The pilot episode was the first and only episode of the series to be animated in Flash. Are you familiar with Flash at all, Clark? <laughs> Does anybody know Homestar Runner? <laughs> is, <laughs> is that too old a reference? Jesus. Well, I have a uh, Flash anecdote, as you might read in the script. Uh, back in college... I had to take a bunch of bullshit classes that had nothing to do with my major. Two of them were Flash. At this point, 
Adobe, who owned Flash, had said, we are going to be discontinuing Flash in, I think, two years? So it's really great that my college is like, you need to take not one, but two goddamn classes to learn this program, which will not exist in two years. <laughs> so, um, Winston, think about the exposure. <laughs> so I, I, I very quickly burnt out. I, this was kind of a thing in all, all of colleges. I would, uh, if I wasn't interested, I would do the exact bare minimum to pass. And uh, so... I, I, for Flash, uh, Flash One, the only pr the only project I remember is we had to do a video, and the only prompt we were given was my dream car. So <laughs> other people like animated a car or like turned it into a shape and like made the wheel spin. Uh, this was my first time dealing with a drawing tablet that I could draw directly onto. So. I quickly did frame-by-frame frame animation. Like, think of every cartoon you love, like this one, mm -hmm. and that is not what mine looked like. <laughs> mine, <laughs> my frames might have started off looking good, but they were literally three seconds of doodling quickly, and my plot was Vin Diesel <laughs> gets enough <laughs> money to get an operation to turn himself into a car. <laughs> he then, he wakes up from the operation, and he's still Vin Diesel, and he goes like, Doctor, what gives? The doctor says, no, you have to, you have to run. And so then he runs a race, runs against a racehorse, starts outrunning him and transforming into a car, like a turbo teen. <laughs> his hands turning into wheels, his eyes turning into headlights, and he goes, I am a car! <laughs> And then I believe it it zooms out, and either him or me is dreaming that. I had to present this to my class, and not a single person laughed. That's rough, buddy. And then, uh, then the next class, I was so furious, I made every one of my Flash Project Nicolas Cage-themed. A walk cycle was him walking through the Wicker Man background and then seeing a bee with his face on it. Uh, we had to make uh, an asteroid-style style shooter, so he was piloting a spaceship of his own head, firing at bees and using the Declaration of Independence as a shield. Uh, once again, no <laughs> one laughed. Um, college was a hard time for me. So anyway, that is the program Flash that was used for this pilot. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I've got fond memories. I guess, I guess kids really don't. I don't. I don't know what kids do nowadays. I'm the so TikToks. old. TikToks. What do kids do in computer class when they no longer have Adobe Flash? Do they do cryptocurrency? <laughs> yeah, it's, that... it's all Bitcoin and TikTok dances in, in their classes now. <laughs> Those young executives. Uh, so, uh, public said himself that he was not prepared to make an animated show that all the character designs were on typing paper and poorly inked, and that the animation team would come running to him with questions he didn't have answers to. I, I, I empathize as a man who has never made uh, anything substantial uh, creatively in his life, because I don't have the answers to a lot of questions. Hey, you've made a long-running podcast. Listen, man. Listen. Substantial. Listen well, to my Substantial and, like the sheer number of episodes perhaps i'm not asking for your pity <laughs> well i'm a part of it, it needs <laughs> fuck to be off good. winston otherwise i've wasted my life 
season one. Okay. Um, well, uh, the voices on the show are some of my favorite. Uh, Doc Venture uh, is voiced by a man named James Urbanake. Um, so public saw him in a sketch show. Uh, his voice is so unique. I love him in everything I, he's in, but I rarely hear him in anything. Uh, he will pop up sometimes in live action stuff, like he was in Homeland, and I'm just like, what the hell? Doc <laughs> Venture's running a lie detector? <laughs> he's, uh, he's in, uh, he's in Fallout New Vegas. Um, that's one of the ones I know him best for. He is one of the robots in the Big MT. Uh, he, he's named Doctor, they call him Doctor O, and he's annoyed by everyone calling him Dr. O and insists on being called Dr. Zero. But everyone just calls him Dr. O and he doesn't realize that he can just put a slash through the O to make it a zero. Uh, so Public himself uh, voices Hank. Uh, and Dean Venture, who was difficult for Public to cast, uh, they chose one of their friends of a friend who was hired on his voice alone. That's Mike Sinner, oh gosh, Sinter, <laughs> is this a is this a prank? This is not a prank. I really should I should put in the clerk is a big old dummy. <laughs> Mike Sinterklaas, uh, and of course uh, the uh, ever present Kronk Patrick Warburton uh, voices uh, the I, basically the the Brock of every Brock. The every yeah, Brock, that's right. Uh, Brock Samson. Who is the Who's the Johnny Quest character that he's? It's Race Bannon. Race Bannon. Yeah. He's supposed to be like a Race Bannon type character. He's a buff bodyguard, and still, I, I think probably one of the top three characters in the show. What, what Brock or Race? Brock. Uh, Race is the top one character in Johnny <laughs> Quest. Well, uh, I mean, we can get into it. As the Venture Bros goes on, the cast of characters is insane and diverse and ever so uh, ever so deep in the labyrinth of canon, as I like to say. Uh, yes, uh, so top three. So I think everyone. Brock for you. Brock is my third favorite character on the show. Monarch is my number one. And I think I, I probably put Dr. Killinger as the second. Really? He... he <laughs> boy <laughs> he's got a great voice like a great delivery but he's I, I didn't I don't think of him as much of a character this is my mystic murder bag <laughs> like, he, like, he, like he has no arcs really he just he's more of a plot device in, in himself I mean so <laughs> I can still like him fuck anyway, off anyway my favorites are probably a 21 and 24 yeah Oh, my, my dad, stepdad's Nissan Stanza. Any, any way to do my Ray Romano. Yes. What are you talking Dude. about? The Smurfs are mammals. No, there's a single female. That would mean they're an egg-laying society. Papa Smurf has a beard. <laughs> oh, fuck. 24 is a great character. We'll get there. 
Yeah, speaking of the two people interacting, a big part of the Venture Bros is having two characters that have kind of insane conversations that you might think only exist between you and your best friend. Enter Doc Hammer. So Doc Hammer is the other creative force behind Venture Bros. Jackson Public was the initial spark, but Doc Hammer provided uh, not just a sounding board, but the perfect shared brain of creativity to keep the show going. So Doc Hammer and Jackson Public, an extra fun part of Venture Brothers is the creators sound like pulp heroes. <laughs> Unlike Jackson Public, who's a writer with a background in TV, Doc Hammer was a painter and musician that Public met at a party. To this day, this is the only show Doc Hammer has worked on. What a bizarre career, right? <laughs> These two, these two just like, kind of like, s sort of going back and talking about Homestar Runner again. Um, these two are kind of like Renaissance men, you know. They're just a, a little <laughs> bit good at a lot of things. And really, they... the Donatello of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the man who voices Doctor Girlfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I do like the Ninja Turtles. So, uh, they met each other at a party and immediately hit it off. They started bouncing ideas each other off each other all night. Specifically, quote, The henchman's capsule lands face down and they are trapped, unquote. Which is my favorite <sighs> gag of this episode. Uh, soon, yeah, the two began good. sharing a studio working on their different projects, but also playing a lot of darts and making skits that would soon become the spine of the Venture Brothers. Quote, Aquaman and <laughs> Black Manta were not who they were, but people that were much chattier and more social. Actual people that have these bizarre jobs. Chaser and Chasey. As a matter of fact, the Monarch's voice came entirely out of not knowing what Black Manta sounded like. Black Manta has this deep voice. We didn't know that. So we were both screaming at the top of our lungs. And that exact voice is what Jackson did for Monarch in the pilot. So, yeah, just imagine you and your best friend li living and working together. You, of course, will have these insane conversations. Uh, you might even turn them into D&D &D adventures or just dorky inside jokes. But then you get to put them into an animated series. Just reference. So, so of all the of all the superhero super villain pairs you could reference, <laughs> Aquaman, Aquaman and Black Manta. And Black Manta. <laughs> so the two quickly developed their comedy language while giving while working on their own individual product projects. They assigned their studio a code name, Astro Base which is the name of their production studio as well. Astro Base Go, which you'll see in the end credits. They even gave each other ranks like they were kids playing in a treehouse. Public is Colonel Aquaman due to his square jaw and, and flowing blonde hair. <laughs> Quote, It's something that describes Jackson and me. We are morons. But when we play, even as grown-ups, we play at a really high capacity. We will pretend that we are orbiting the moon. That's... <laughs> I want what they're. I want what they have, whether it's very strong drugs or a very strong friendship, or and maybe the, both. The first thing they ever wrote together was a profile on Match.com for a robot. That is Soulbot, <laughs> who can also be seen featured in the end credits. Brock, you'll never guess what kind of bones these are. <laughs> robot bones. Yeah, I don't you, care. 
you don't know the pain of being a robot and also the pain of being a ghost. <laughs> That's ghost robot, not soul bot, but I feel like they're siblings. That's close enough. So, uh, Doc joined the show. He was touring with his band and he was getting texts like, can you do the title sequence? Can you put the music together? Then finally, can you edit the show? Ask Clark how he would feel about that. Wait, Clark, how would you feel about that? You're living your life. I'm working on an animated show for, uh, well, not major network because it was just starting, but a network. And <laughs> you know it's getting animated by what you assume to be professionals. And then I say, hey, Clark, can you edit the whole episode? <laughs> Well, considering the the massive anxiety that I personally get when look when editing our own season one of our own stuff, which is which is rough, buddy. Like people ask for it, uh, and I, I know people like it, but listening to it, um, it, it reminds me a lot of ways of 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 the the pilot that we just watched. What? Because yeah. Because, uh, like, I know that we get kind of better, but it's also, like, it's it's tough listening to that and being like, why would anybody want this? <laughs> uh, so, yes, editing gives me very high stress and is hard to do with a full-time job. So, I guess pay me, maybe? Well, he's a musician. Is that really a job? <laughs> Please, take it back. I think art's kind of just a fun thing. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, if anyone's please, listening, listeners, I'm an art that's guy. Not true. He's, I'm he's an, art an art guy. guy. That's the he joke. Writes comics. Just so you know. So the team had never done any editing before, and luckily Doc had a brief history in animation, much like myself and Flash, <laughs> and he would be able to make it TV-ready. This leads us to the pilot. But before we start talking about this episode, let's get to this week's sponsor. Clark, do you need a website or a mattress? No. Oh, okay. So how did you find the show? <laughs> I was really hoping you would say no. <laughs> <laughs> want some imported nuts <laughs> oh my god you've had a nuts you've had b nuts you've had c nuts but it's time to upgrade to d's nuts <laughs> uh, how did i find this show i want i want to say my memory is spotty on this but i want to say it was either you or our friend drew uh who Shout we out. both still know to this day um Speaking of Renaissance man, that guy, goddamn, <laughs> truly the he wears a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, he was in um, the the Guinness World Records book for that. Most wearing hats, hats. On a single man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I think you probably told me about it. If if I'm being honest, um, I probably in art class. It's uh, it's possible. I spent a lot I of time not doing art. Yes, exactly. Making terrible comics. 
I have a distinct memory of my first time watching it. I was uh, at a condo I go to with my family. I was probably in middle school, high school early high school and I always have been a night owl so well they're awake I'm watching Adult Swim because I was the troublemaking youth oh my and and uh on comes this show I've never heard of just from the commercials I thought the Venture Bros referred to uh Doc and Brock like I thought they were the brothers but uh so it was the episode um Gargantua Gargantua one, uh, I forget what the actual title of the episode is. Right. Uh, what is it that? No, the help button. Is this that what is it's embarrassing. Called? What is the name of this? I'm sorry, did Clark, you fool? Did you mean careers in science? <laughs> no, I did not. Well, the episode uh, is called Careers in Science, and it famously has a problem light. The problem which, light. In which. In this whole giant space station, there's a light on a wall that says problem. And if it is, and the crew is called up there because it is lit up and has never lit up before. <laughs> they, they can't figure out what it means. They can't, they can't figure out the solution. At, at some point, Doc is just pulling out wires, and the best he can do is make it turn on and off. It's like that, that's called blinking. But anyway, just the idea of a problem light cracked me up so much that this is this just inane piece of technology that's so poorly planned i'm like this i need to see the rest of the show and from there i was hooked and try to get all my friends on board by doing terrible impressions of the the uh uh the shaman doing telling brock to fuck a dolphin Uh, one time, I'm on the Amazon in my canoe, and I see a swim, the dolphin, uh, the beautiful dolphin, so I slip out of my canoe, and I grab her, this fish, and then I eat this fish. How's that got to do with anything? Hot dolphin! If I... If I am recalling correctly now, um, after you said that, I think it was actually you telling me about the show because um, because of that problem light thing. And I think the reason why I connected Drew with this was because we were talking about shows, uh, I think, on Adult Swim, and Drew was talking about, I think, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, and then we started talking about... Uh, I want to say it was Venture Bros. Um, and then uh, Rumel just was talking about uh, DBZ for the next half hour. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> it, well, it, was either, it was either going to be Batman, DBZ, or Mel Gear Solid, you know, just flip a three-sided coin. <laughs> yes, uh, there are dice for that, actually. And Clark, what's uh, your favorite episode of this series? Oh, God, the problem light's really, really good. Um... I want to say it is the one, and again, I'm, I'm a bad fan. It is the extended episode where uh, they're on the Gargantua 2 with oh, uh, yeah. Jonas Venture Jr. Um, because that, it, it, it's, it's only good if you watch the rest of the series before that moment. But it has so many good end moments like the return of the the commander 
after yeah. he was flying through space because they, he was trying to find a, <laughs> a cure for his testicular cancer. And so they shot him into space so the aliens could fix him. <laughs> and then he got gamma radiated and turned into a Hulk. We can't let our cancers beat us. Oh, cancer makes me mad. You won't like me when I'm all about that special i i can't wait to keep the series going uh yes i, I god that because that was one of their famously long long hiatuses and they came back to that i'm like oh my god this was everything i wanted like they answered mysteries and they never do that yes it is like uh there so we we didn't preface this i think we meant to at the beginning but uh the reason why we are uh doing this right now is because the show is theoretically ending very soon uh we don't know when that is um but it's been 20 years in the making and they have they're going to have a movie out uh and the movie is going to be the end of the series theoretically the first episode the pilot clark called uh, the Se oh clark what's my favorite episode thanks um my favorite episode <laughs> is actually I'm a good co-host my favorite episode is uh, the only one Doc and Public didn't write. Uh, is written by their mentor Ben. It is Viva los Muertos, aka the Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> this sounds like it's just on brand, but that this episode, if you don't remember it, it is. It starts with the monarch using an army of henchmen to attack the compound. Brock hilariously murdering them effortlessly. But then his B-plot throughout the episode is feeling kind of remorse for killing for once in his life. At the same time, Doc has taken one of the henchmen and turned him into a Frankenstein monster to try and sell him to the army. Yeah, you're like, like fire to his Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Right! <laughs> and, Brock and kills then, him again. <laughs> and the C-plot is the Scooby-Doo gang, but they are all uh, based on famous killers or serial killers. <laughs> uh, happened to stop by the factory. Uh, Ted, who is Fred, who is Ted Bundy, claims they run out of gas, even though they've got half a tank. And goes, <laughs> come on, let's go investigate this factory. <laughs> and threatens to put Sonny, who is the son of Sam, or Shaggy, he's going to tie him to the to the back of the van and accelerate till he's nothing but a pelvis with a belt on. <laughs> anyway, fucking amazing, horribly bleak, but uh, very, very funny. So, uh, what, what did we just watch, Clark? Uh, we we watched, uh, thanks for asking this, we watched the pilot, which is The Terrible Secret of Turtle Bay, which that name makes absolutely... <laughs> No, I cannot think no. of context for that. Do you have any context for that, Winston? I, I have a little. Uh, Turtle Bay, I... Up until about an hour ago when I was reading the Big Venture Brothers book I have, I thought Turtle Bay was like a fantasy thing or maybe reference Japan, but Turtle Bay is the actual neighborhood the UN building is in. Absolutely. So, the terrible secret isn't that terrible. No, it's not bad at all. So, just to synopsize this episode, uh, Dr. Venture, his teen sons Hank and Dean, and their bodyguard, bo bodyguard, yeah, that's true. Indeed his he body, is. 
bodyguard Brock head to New York to unveil Dr. Venture's new invention, the Ooray. They are pursued by a ninja intent on acquiring the device. That is also a twist. Uh, just just a little warning to our fans who have not uh, not watched this show before. This is early 2000s. Uh, the ninja is uh, definitely a little offensive. It is not terrible, but it's also very early 2000s. So just be aware of that. Uh, yeah, but I'll... besides... Besides the racialness of that, the rest of the episode is very funny, and I do not remember it being as funny. I was worried it wouldn't be as funny, but it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I had the same thoughts. Uh, many, many cartoons or many shows have just aged terrible compared to this, and I also remember the pilot being uh, very gross. We'll kind of get into that. A lot grosser than the rest of the show, but not nearly as funny, but I was definitely cracking up at this. This is a solid pilot. I can see why yeah. he got picked up. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't want Pop to get sore at us. He's sure on a tear this week. Ah, uh, he's just excited about exhibiting his new invention at the United Nations is all. See, maybe Pop knows where Scamp's gotten to. Good thinking, bro of mine. And I thought I was supposed to be the smart one. Ma ventured and raised no fools. We don't have a mom, Hank. In Absolutely. Japan, Dr. Venture's latest invention uh, is announced through a newspaper. So, uh, Taku Sensuri, uh, uh, one of his henchmen brings him a newspaper. It says, Dr. Venture is unveiling a new invention at the United Nations. Uh, he's currently getting acupunctured, so Mr. Sensuri throws a bunch of needles at his henchmen. Uh, and then make some veiled, vague threats about getting the item in question. Uh, it turns out the henchman's fine. He just got his, uh, his back pain fixed and he didn't want to smoke anymore, which is reasonable. Solid gag, solid gag. Which leads us yeah. into the iconic theme song. Now, it's very. Good. I initially thought... I hope we have a similar soundtrack playing in the background here. Yeah, I'm sure whatever we can find on youtube we'll be playing right now <laughs> the th i was worried like the pilot wasn't going to be great but as soon as the theme song played i'm like well they nailed this of course it's always a classic always gets you in the mood for adventure and if you didn't know better you might think it was an actual dramatic show <laughs> uh, we open uh at the venture compound a site that we will get to understand and enjoy further as the story progresses. Pop quiz hot the shot. Compound. Pop quiz hot shot. Where is the okay. where's the compound? Billy quiz boy, you must <laughs> answer my videos. Where is the compound? Um, they, I want to say not a it's in Okay. Where is the compound? <laughs> Fake fan. Um, <laughs> fuck off. Or is it Oregon? Nah. Where is Colorado. That was close. Yeah. It's in the same episode. It, it, it mentions in the newspaper article, but I'm sure they mentioned it in other episodes. Like, I think when Brock joins the team, they have him pass a Colorado sign. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah, we in, are introduced to the Venture Brothers, and I love that they they establish off the bat that they don't have a mom, so like people at home aren't asking about it, but they do it in such a bizarre joke of... It's such, it's so fun. I specifically wrote that. We don't have a mom, Hank. <laughs> the music So the, the background out. music stops playing, and the both of them are just standing there awkwardly <laughs> for like 15 seconds. 
And th- uh, and then... they're looking for their dog Scamp, who we'll learn what yeah. happens to him. But Scamp is very, <laughs> Scamp is like the tiger is like Tiger from Brady Bunch. He's very quickly abandoned. <laughs> um. So, um, the two of them race off into the Venture Compound's uh, airplane hangar, where uh, bodyguard Brock Sampson is uh, shirtless. Uh, hosing down the uh, the plane of the ventures, the X one, um, the X one. Yes, uh, they ask where uh, the boys ask where their dad is, and Brock just says lab. Yeah, I I felt like Brock gets uh, less mean and more hinged as the series goes on. You agree? He absolutely does. Yes, um, they actually make references to us, if I recall, uh, later in the series how how calm down he gets compared to the beginning of the show. He is, especially in the pilot, but definitely in later seasons, he is much more relaxed. He is absolutely batshit in this episode. This is very early adult swim crazy. He he has an eye twitching, he's covered in blood, and he's begging a UN guard to take his knife so he can murder him. Yes. We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but yeah, that yeah, is true. Yeah. So the boys run off to see their dad and ask him where Scamp is. He, This is Doc Venture. He is uh, a bald man with a goatee. And he is, I think, about the same height as his children at this point. Uh, he gets shorter as time moves on. Despite those similarities, he's not your favorite character? No. I love Doc Venture. I love everyone on this show, really. Uh, but no, I, Dr. Killinger's still number two. I'm sorry. Maybe that'll change as we go on. Who knows? I've become the proud papa. <laughs> I've become the proud papa. So, so Doc Ventura, before the boys get to him, calls Brock and tries to impress him with uh, the fact that the ancient bones that they dug up uh, in, a, I think, a grave site in, or a, a, a tomb in Malaysia uh, are robot bones. And Brock does not give a shit. <laughs> This is actually, and I will say, uh, this is a piece of writing masterstroke. This this whole, like, two-minute sequence of meeting these characters. Because he really wants to impress the only person he feels worth impressing. But when his his sons arrive, he's, like, trying to make them go away. Yeah, that's true. It's very good character building for, for this type of... This, this era of broadcasting... And so the boys find him. They ask him where Scamp is. Uh, Winston, where is Scamp? Well, Scamp is in the little uh, science cube, as I like to call it, and <laughs> Doctor Doctor Venture has removed all of his skin. <laughs> uh, but luckily, he's <laughs> Doctor Venture responds with pride, saying that cosmetics corporations have asked him to solve the problem of test animals that die too quickly. He... <laughs> You like pretty girls, don't you, boys? Golly, do we? <laughs> do they? And and uh, twice in this very early on, Dean says, "Well, I am the smart one after all." I want to point this out. As the series goes on, is Dean the smart one? Because Hank is shown to be not only like the tougher one, but he opens a successful business. He runs a band. He he seems to be the smarter one dean is just uh i don't know kind of a pansy 
We can talk about, because um, because Doc Venture also believes that um, he does not he does not believe that uh, uh, Hank is is the more intelligent of the two children. Constantly tries to impress upon Dean his uh, sciency ways, even going so far as making him wear his jumpsuit. Uh, but we can talk about the pressure of responsibility later, I think, once we get to those episodes. But that's a very real thing. Uh, you, if you're told your whole life you're the intelligent one, you have all this crushing pressure upon you. Hank's just sort of let to be what he is. Uh, and he is definitely more successful and less, um, I, I guess, choked by his own expectations. Yeah, an ongoing theme that even the creators have discussed is the running tone of failure throughout the series. Even Brock, who's probably the most successful one in the whole series, he's, has he dropped out of college after accidentally murdering a classmate in football and then fighting all of his classmates. He gets kicked out of the military and dumped in an assignment that he absolutely hates until he bonds with the boys. It's... Mm-hmm. It, and it's just an, all these different versions of failure, including Doc forcing that kind of pressure onto Dean while dealing with his own failure, that he's not able to build up, live up to his own father, and now Dean won't be able to live up to his. Yeah. Not to say that Dean is stupid. Uh, Dean is pretty smart uh, when he's just allowed to be himself and do the things he's passionate about. He makes a newspaper. But... Yeah. His only readers are, I believe, uh, Hank and 21. Yeah, that's very true. Holy Toledo! They start packing up the X-1 and a mummy comes out of the landing gear. This is our first, I think, very real introduction to this being a, a sequel or spiritual successor to Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the boys act like Johnny Quest is, but a, a fucking mummy arriving randomly out of the landing gear, and then <laughs> Brock beating the piss out of it and then taking a piss yeah, all yeah. over it. <laughs> uh, removing the piss to put the piss back on. This is what I was talking yes. about, where this pilot seems a lot grosser than what the show will become. A lot more fluids in this episode. They yeah, mentioned both pee lot. and poop, and... So the Venture Bros has and a see, lot of, of those jokes. I like to think that it's usually better than that. And I like a good yeah, piss joke. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I'm into crude humor. I'll fucking... Like, yeah, you fucking... Oh, you fucking fucking piss face. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, so now we get, uh, after the scene of the boys getting... Or the, the mummy getting beaten up, we get introduced to the monarch, which is... Uh, Doc Venture's nemesis, uh, self-proclaimed nemesis, uh, who uh, we quickly are introduced to his ridiculousness because one of his first lines is uh, stating that they will be as deadly as the mighty monarch butterfly, his namesake. One of his henchmen says, but those aren't deadly, and then he gets shoved into an asteroid. Seems like they would have brought this up earlier, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like, like this is yeah. unless this is his first day or something. You think the giant butterfly-themed supervillain would? Someone would tell him like monarchs aren't violent. So he's he's sending a bunch of dudes onto the venture compound by launching them from his massive cocoon, 
like like let's say like six stories tall flying machine that barely floats off the ground. He's shooting a meteor into the venture compound full of henchmen as his Trojan horse. And he says that Dr. Venture is going to be so enamored with it, he's going to drill into it immediately and, quote, Get a face full of men! <laughs> uh, they, We proceed back to the venture compound. The X-1 is taking off. And just before it does so, the meteor lands directly next to the, the X-1 as it's taking off. <laughs> this is easily my my favorite part of the episode. It lands. Everyone is shocked. And Brock says, you probably want to check that out. And Venture goes, ah, we don't have time. <laughs> Just go. And they leave. <laughs> they leave the meteor. The henchmen then discover that much like public and doc theorized years ago that the trap door landed face down so these henchmen are stuck inside <laughs> they will have to resort. they worry about cannibalism and but one of them says who cares about that what about the poo poo <laughs> inventions well i'm going to assume that's doc's invention because everything jonas left is pretty good like the hover bikes everything doc invents is great but also horrifying i have two theories about that first theory about the x1's cancer is that the x1 itself is jonas's uh this is doc venture's father is jonas's invention um but uh it stopped flying and uh, Doc made some repairs to the engine and started emitting radiation. Uh, that's theory one. Theory two is uh, Jonas absolutely knew that the X1 would cause <laughs> cancer and did not care at all. He was a flying machine. He's definitely not one concerned about that. That's true. As long as he has like uh, some poor people handling it, he's he'd be okay exactly. with you know getting off with JFK and Marilyn Monroe. 
<laughs> you guys will learn if you if we continue this series and or if you uh, listen to this the or watch the Venture Bros, uh, just how they're they they're really good at building a character and Jonas Venture is awful. Uh, oh, that's pretty cool. You'll know that. Not not Jonas Jr. Know the difference. Oh, I know the difference. Senior is so cool. He he fought L. Ron Hubbard's robot. <laughs> Oh. You mentioned this. Did you mention the alligator? No, I, I wanted you to do that part. Well, that's good, because an alligator crawls out of the X1 in front of the UN, and uh, I actually, I've remembered this animation being pretty terrible, but there's a lot of fun little animations in this. Like, Brock wrestles with this alligator and eventually kills it, kind of off screen, which was cheap, but there's a beautiful animation of him grabbing it off screen. The whole time, Doc is chomping on these quote-unquote diet pills, and that there's a really cute animation of him just, like, tossing it in his mouth. They actually mm -hmm. went out of their way to do some work in Flash. I don't know what that's like, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, um, it shows Doc's pill problem as an aside. It does not really, like... It does not really, you know, make references to it. He just takes pills in some of the scenes he's not just a background prop he's he's actively there it's pretty impressive yeah i think it's left to the audience what the pills are and not until much later do they actually explain explain that he's like addicted to them and what they're doing yeah brock wrestles and kills the alligator then threatens that un agent covered in, in dripping with alligator's blood after wiping his knife off the only clean part of his pants. The UN the UN soldier says, uh, Sir, you can't come in here with a weapon. And he says, Go ahead. Take it from me. <laughs> his eye twitching. He is insane in this episode. <laughs> yeah, a little out of character of, of what we'll eventually love. Yes. Um... So they go inside. There's a couple uh, conversations. Uh, he's just talking about the interior. Doc makes a joke about the interior of the UN being made by Frank Lloyd Wrong. Classic. Which I, yeah, which I thought was pretty funny, but no one else did. Um, <laughs> Are you watching this with your household? <laughs> no, it's just me. No one else in the scene, I mean. Is it sadder to be watching it, it alone or to be watching it with other people and no one laughs at the thing you laugh at? Um. And, th and then, the second then she says, God, I can't believe you found that funny. <laughs> why, why did I marry you, she says. Congratulations to Clark on his wedding! Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, your uh, wedding up. gifts can be sent directly at patreon.com slash Alicia Renup. <laughs> sure. Why not? So after the UN, Doc goes to rest his apartment, and the whole time the family's stalked by a shadowy figure. It's that ninja from the opening scene. At the same time, the monarch arrives in a taxi and tries to find the Venture Brothers. <laughs> uh, That'll be 5350. 5350? <laughs> 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 Uh, well, Dr. Venture is sleeping, uh, the ninja manages to steal the equipment case, but only finds Hank and Dean, who are in it pretending it was a submarine. 
they attempt to use their J-U-D-O on him, which spelled judo. But the ninja quickly knocks him unconscious and leaves them in a dingy alley outside the hotel in New York. Uh, <laughs> my, I also want to mention, so this ninja, he attempts to kill Dr. Venture by coming out in a vent over him while he sleeps and then dripping poison down a string. This is, of course, a reference to the classic James Bond film, You Only Live Twice. But uh, <laughs> it, he, I assume he didn't have two young boys coming in and blowing the string away. Then my next note is the Venture Brothers are unconscious in this alley. They are accosted by two hoodlums who take their wallet and their uh, their radio watches. These hoodlums, thugs, they look like something that would have aired on like WB Kids for like five episodes. And then Yeah, these these characters were taken directly from Static Shock, if I recall. <laughs> oh no way, that's too mean to Static Shock. I was thinking, like, like something that gets cancelled very early, and then a decade later, you look it up on Wikipedia and it's cancelled for being racist. <laughs> for instance, uh, The Boom yeah. Crew is something I remember running for, like, five episodes, and I looked it up and it was All like, oh, this was racist. Oh, okay. The only thing I remember uh, from that era in, that got super cancelled was The Butt Ugly Martians. How, was it rem- called that? Yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was Butt Ugly Martians. That was the name of the show. They were terrible CG Martians. It got canceled. 3.3 on IMDb. But hey, when we start streaming on Twitch, there is a Game Boy Advance game of it. (laughs) Hell yeah, I guess. And uh, (laughs) on the same note is uh, the, the Ripping Friends. Remember this? The Ripping Friends? Yeah, The Ripping Friends by John Kay, the creator of Ren and Stimpy, and noted creep and douchebag. It ran for 13 episodes, was very adult despite airing on Fox Kids, and was a goddamn nightmare. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of nostalgia for those old shows, but man, I don't miss most of them. Guys, things weren't better back then. You were just younger and had less responsibilities. Now you're just aware of how terrible the world always is. But Winston, think of it this way. There was one thing that did exist back then. One Piece. (laughs) One Piece will outlive us all. Yes, it will. (laughs) Yeah, you see, you a, anyone who's like, oh, c- cartoons these days are too political. Uh, uh, things were so much better when I was a kid. Go watch fucking Ripping Friends. I'm only go enjoy Gravity Falls. Fuck you. <laughs> but we're talking about enjoy different cartoon right friends. now. Yes, we are. What cartoon are we talking about? We're talking about the Venture Brothers. Uh, so one of the things that these thugs take from the boys is... The Busy Bee Wallet. Busy Bee is their version of Mickey Mouse, which will show up later in season one, and then basically never again. Oh, oh, he no, uh, Brisby. Oh, is it? Oh, I I copied it from a sign later later on. So Busy Bee must be like a business or something. It's Brisby Bee. Yeah, I think it. Well, it's uh, I think it's Walt Brisby or, or Adult <laughs> Brisby or something. He shows up in season one, but he also comes back. Oh, Busy Bee is the cartoon character. Yes. Uh, okay, he does come back, but... Okay, I'm looking at it. So season 
one, he has three appearances. Season three, there's one. Season four, there's one. Season five, there's one. Season seven, there's one. So I think those are tiny cameos. Like, if you only watch season one, you assume you might assume that Brisby would turn out to be the big bad villain at the end of the show. Yeah. And they quickly He's faded not. him out. Yes, uh, for multiple reasons. He was not a great character to begin with. Not really. In fact, uh, his only... In season four, it's, it's just a billboard in the background, so it's probably just shit like that. Like, when they're in New York, there's a sign in the background. Uh, but, yeah, it, he's kind of one-off. How how much can you make fun of Walt Disney that you haven't already done? You know, he's he was rich. He's uh, Bobby, is, Bobby is a masterclass. <laughs> Never mind. I've listened to Bobby's impression of Walt Disney for, for eight seasons. <laughs> This is Walt Disney signing off. Sign off, Walt! Sign off! Billy, get out! Walt, get out! I don't even remember in what context that was. Do you remember where that was? It would be... It was in some outro. It would be Walt saying saying horrible things. uh, Like like politically incorrect things about Marvel movies or upcoming movies. But But it's because he's... Like, Walt Disney was allegedly anti-Semitic and racist and shit. Yes, yes. Allegedly. These, these are the jokes. The boys are uh, uh, the boys are now knocked out, and <laughs> we cu- cut back to Doc, who's having a strange dream where he's a baby in a womb. Clark, what do you think about this dream? I was in the mommy place. <laughs> oh, that was really wet. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah, we we learn more about he. So he's like a fetus in the dream, and we learn more about why that is. Uh, I think later this season. Yeah, the season finale will explain it, but it will be an ongoing theme. Um, it wasn't in. I'm sure we'll encounter it as we go on, but somewhere the creator said they didn't plan this. Like they just put in this dream because they thought it was like a funny little throwaway line, the mommy place, but. <laughs> it looks like they were foreshadowing, but much like Lost, they were just making it up as they went along, and you think they're geniuses. Yeah, sometimes that works. Oh, we should have done a Lost podcast. Oh, that would have been no, funny. Oh my god, no. No, no, You no. didn't watch Lost, right? No. That would have been so much funnier. Because, like... It would have also taken way more time. Uh, also way less interesting. No, like no, 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 no. No, Lost is great. But it's also dog shit. That's why it's so fun. It's the Kingdom Hearts of TV shows. So every episode, I'd be like, so what do you think this would mean? Where do you think this is going? And you would have, like, a good educated guess. And I'd be like, you fucking moron, no. No, 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 no. They didn't know where they were going. They made it up because it looked cool. (laughs) They put a polar bear on the island because it was a cool thing. They didn't know it was a secret science society who's operating there in the 70s and seeing how the tropical environment interacted with arctic animals. They didn't plan that. (laughs) Oh, spoiler for Lost Season 3. So Brock wakes up Doc. uh, Doc Venture, Mm -hmm. not Doc Hammer. We're not that meta. And he... I just want to mention Doc's uh, turtleneck. <laughs> yes. Just, just the tur- he, his his pajamas, as far as we can tell, is just the neck of a turtleneck, the collar of a turtleneck. I just looked it up. That is called a false collar turtleneck, and they are readily available if you if you want to start rocking them. No, I if I get a speed suit, that's my <laughs> second purchase. 
Because a turtleneck, you can look okay in. I don't think a single person on the planet can look good in a turtleneck, but then enough cloth to kind of tickle your nipples. <laughs> oh, that was the word of the day, everyone! Nipples! Yeah! <laughs> Nipples! <laughs> we, we should do that. Each episode, we have a hidden word that we try and get the other to say. <laughs> All right, yours was nipple. I'll try and get you to say one by the end of it. Oh, sweet God. So Brock goes to look for the boys using their watches. He calls them, but it's the, the hoodlum's answer from before. Yes, uh, and he, he gratuitously murders two young youths off the streets of New York. Well, well at least at least murders one. Uh, I'm guessing two. He he dr- jumps drops a guy out of a third story window, like out of the window, like full defenestration through the glass, and then drops a couch on him. He is likely dead. Don't defenestrate yourself for free, <laughs> Master. What? <laughs> so speaking of master wedding, the boys run into a hooker, well worn hooker wearing a bisbee hat, which or a brisbee hat, which isn't that fun. Uh, she invites them back to her place to get to know her better. They're always looking for action and adventure, so they follow her, not knowing what kind of horrible adventure they, they're getting into. Uh, she touch, <laughs> touches Hank's crotch after offering all of her services, and the teens flee in terror. <laughs> she touched me where I make sissy. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. And Brock, um, at this point, I'm not really sure what happened to the monarch. Uh, but Brock meets up with the monarch after he chases them, th- the boys through New York. Uh, and he basically gouges his eyes out with his thumbs. Yeah, it's like they didn't think the monarch was coming back or something, so we can just blind him. Yes. He is not blinded later. He is not dead. Though, I, I guess this is the first... Maybe maybe he's, like, abiding by the, the villain code at this point by not murdering him outright, but his henchmen <laughs> are fair game. I don't, I don't know how well... I, I don't really recall how much Brock respects those codes. Yeah, me neither. Uh-oh. I guess we'll find out as we go on. I guess so. But, yeah, the, um, that is the end of Monarch's plot. And then back at yes. the UN... Dr. Venture introduces his new invention, the Ooray. <laughs> Why is it called the Ooray? Uh, I assume it's because of the the circles it makes, because it sort of makes a circle like its ray is like circles that look like O's, maybe. And and, and because the sound effect goes ooh. <laughs> I present to you the Ooray. Doc does not know what this device does. I love he it. uses it to melt a fake city at a peace conference. <laughs> and, he, and he's shocked when everyone's like, you made a weapon. And he's like, ah, maybe it falls into the wrong hands. <laughs> Which is such a great gag. <laughs> like, he doesn't offer up any other ideas of what it could be. Which makes me think that he just took it from, like, took it from the lab like Jonas had left it. Yeah. Yeah, and it melts a plastic city, and that's the only thing that we know it does for sure. 
also getting a Japanese man off. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I feel like as the show goes on, which kind of the ending this episode teases it, uh, he cares much less about making a weapon. He is anti-Tony Stark. He's willing to make whatever it can, no matter how many people it hurts. He he made a Frankenstein man to sell to the army. Yes. Yes. He loses uh, his morals. That he, he is he is fairly moralless. I the only I, I don't think he was ever had morals to begin with, at least in this when the show starts in this pilot. Cause like he is constantly making inventions that could very easily hurt people. Do you guys want to steal the walking eye? <laughs> I love the walking eye. I can't wait for tag sale. I love the... <laughs> I, I love that it. is also referenced in Fallout New Vegas. If you have the Wild Waste perk, uh, you can you can find walking eyes all over the the scientific compound. They're just like little models of the walking eye, <laughs> and it's one of the secret voice lines that plays is uh, says, uh, "Lobotomites, don't forget to wash the walking eye." <laughs> That's awesome. So he. It is. I love that game, and I love the show, and I love his voice actor, and I hope he's in more shit in the future. Uh, I think we're about done now, with uh, the, the episode, no. so let's wrap it up. Yeah, uh, well, after the show, we introduce characters that will soon become backbones of the show. Professor Impossible, not voiced by Bill Hader, or... Is it Stephen Colbert? Yeah, definitely not voiced by Stephen Colbert. No, no, Professor Impossible is not... Vo- I think it's probably voiced by one of the... Uh, docker yeah uh, but i meant down the line it's not uh voiced by them Uh, he is voiced by colbert down the line yeah he's voiced by uh doc ham or i'm i'm sorry not doc hammer jackson public in this one uh because the credits are something to behold it's a lot of fun stuff and uh (laughs) then we get to meet billy quiz boy though he is instead credited as hydrocephalic child scientist and <laughs> and Pete White, who is instead credited as albino scientist, and Professor Impossible is solar powered car scientist, which is weird because he's he's like Mister Fantastic, like he's stretchy. I wouldn't instantly jump yes. to solar powered car, but whatever. Uh, yes, yes, he is. Pete Pete is like playful with Doc, but at no point does he say like, "Hey, you're one of the closest things I have to a friend who is also my college roommate." <laughs> it's almost like they didn't plan this out. And Master Master Billy Quiz Boy, he he's not a child; he's a full grown man, but he's very short with a giant head. <laughs> Which this is some weird character design. This is once again some peak Adult Swim oddities, just weirdness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Why does this child have an eye patch and a robot hand and a giant head? Why is he with an, a pure albino man wearing nothing but pink and white? <laughs> These two are also terrific characters. Like, it's it's amazing what they do with side characters in this show. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of a bad example of a character that showed up for more than three episodes. Oh, I was going to say, I have one uh, one episode one, but uh, I was going to say Triana's friend that went on the double date, only because a lot of social media, like uh, the Reddits and whatnot, are very horny for her and would apparently, like, 
like constantly tweet at Doc Hammer to bring her back, and he's like, "That's," he's like, "No, we don't have any storylines for her. you're just horny." <laughs> Uh, how hard do you think it'd be to get Doc Hammer on the show? Easy? Yeah, Relatively easy? Well, it's not like he's writing any other shows. Can't be that hard. <laughs> My boy. I mean, he's just a magician, <laughs> a musician. He's got time. <laughs> magician. He really is a Renaissance man. I wish he was a magician too. He's like constantly making quarters disappear while writing. <laughs> Whoa! Doc gets reunited with the boys after they uh, run through New York away from the prostitute. Um, they arrive back at the compound. Doc asks for their help because he uh, wants to leave away the scientists after getting humiliated by the Ure, which the peace-loving UN does not want because it melted a tiny city. Uh, and he goes, he goes to the, he, go, he goes back to the, the gun, the Ure, and next to it we find our Japanese friend, uh, the ninja, who has been harassing him the entire episode, um, uh, masturbating. Master what? Uh, <laughs> he is apparently, as explained by a random general who shows up in the scene, Commander Stern. a technophile. <laughs> Commander Stern! Yeah. Back again. My note says Commander Stern explains what a technology fetishist is. <laughs> yes, he's a, he's, a, he's a big old technophile. And can only uh, can only masturbate. What next to next to uh, one of his examples was undersea divots, I think. So this kind of I don't want to say like scars the whole episode, but both you and I thought this pilot wasn't very good, and and uh, looking then we watched it and we're like, oh, this is great. And I think the only reason I don't like it is because the terrible secret of Turtle Bay is this ninja likes jacking off to machines yeah then the ninja the ninja puts a damper on the episode and we don't i think he might be mentioned again uh in the future i think actually his like dad or something is mentioned uh briefly uh but the he's yeah he's not a good character he's voiced by i think dean's va in this uh, which is not terribly sensitive, and um, he's, uh, yeah. He, he basically, he's, he's I'm just... looking now, he basically shows up in background roles. Like, when there's, they need a lot of villains in the background, he'll usually be there, but he hasn't said anything since this episode, which is kind of crazy with the amount of digging they do on this show. You think they would, <laughs> you know, give a reference for why he hasn't shown back up. No, I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't think we need him. He's not. <laughs> he's not plot heavy. Um, and uh, yeah, he gets he gets arrested, and then Doc Hammer immediately makes a deal with the general to produce a hundred more Ures for the U.S. Army. Because <laughs> apparently he loves the Ure, and he's like, well, I don't know why, but sure. <laughs> yeah, like it, that's really out of character that he wouldn't put together why his heat laser could hurt people like whatever whatever it's a pilot still pretty good but anyway where's yeah. brock in all of this uh the the boys do their go team venture salute which is they put their peace signs together touching fingers uh that is something that you should get used to oh they it do makes it a, a v yeah. oh yes oh. yeah I and guess. uh where Brock is, is Brock is currently banging the 
Brisbyland prostitute that the boys ran from earlier. Am I want change? I'm gonna want change. Ghost, ghost, poison. And, uh, like all episodes, there is an after-credits stinger. The monarch is in a hospital room, and his wings had to be pumped from his stomach. He also suffered arm, leg, head, and eye injuries, but he tells the doctor not to throw out the wings because he needs them. It is an entire shame that I absolutely forgot about the stinger because... Uh, Fake fucking fan! Streaming services nowadays just skip to the next episode as soon as the credits start. Uh, HBO is truly the villain. But, uh, you know, today they, apparently HBO, like we mentioned all their shakeups, they announced like 20 different cartoons were being removed from the service, and I'm, I'm scanning through it going, no, 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 no. We're good. Yes. We're good. Uh, but if you want to watch the Infinity Train, watch it fast. Looking at the cast list for this episode... Jackson Public describes in the book that he kind of just grabbed everyone he could, including his own brother, voicing a couple of the characters like the Mummy, the Henchman, UN Guard. Lisa Hammer, aka Doc's wife, is the only woman in the cast. She voices prostitute. Yes. Uh, Doc will voice Doctor Girlfriend for the rest of the series, but in but in this episode is voiced by. Jackson Public, who is doing a Harvey Feierstein impression. <laughs> and then the Ooray is voiced by quote, the PP, unquote. You might say, <laughs> what? Winston, what's the PP? I don't know. The book doesn't say that. I just noticed it in the credits. <laughs> she touched my sister. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, that's a good that's a good place to end it. So yeah, we'll see if the Ooray comes back later. Clark, uh, do you think this pilot was good enough to get picked up for a full season? I guess we'll find out In next week, only on <laughs> the Venture Bros Bros. Clark, give us our famous sign-off. Could you imagine if, if we made up this entire podcast and, like... Only the pilot came out, so we just kept coming out with episode reviews and describing the episodes, but the show didn't exist. Well, Jesus, now you come up with a really good podcast idea. Oh, fair enough. Um, go Team Venture Venture! Bros. Bros? start by saying that you said like we're called the venture bros bros you really should have done this with bobby <laughs> you're an honorary bobby brother winston yeah i guess i'm coming for you debbie getting you out of here <laughs> bye bye sure he's also in another game that came out oh fuck five years ago um Venture Brothers bullshit. Chess, now on PC. <laughs> oh, shit. That was... Dead air. The Magic Circle. He was the main voice actor in that. Uh, this was six years ago, though. God, we're all so old. Damn, I'm ancient. I was like, oh, this is a recent game. No, no, I think that's as old as Call of Duty Black Ops 2 at this point. <laughs> 
Yeah, this show is uh, 19 years old, I believe. 19 years old. This show, if it was a person, it would be too old to do TikTok dances. <laughs> Isn't the upper like level for that, like, I don't know, 15? I think I saw Christopher Nolan flossing on there. Is, does he count? <laughs> that would be so good. The studio makes him do TikTok dances to promote Oppenheimer. It's like, and we call this one dropping the bomb. <laughs> you made us buy an actual nuclear bomb. Get your ass on TikTok. I, I want to see you, Dougie. Oh, Dougie. Goddamn, I'm so anxious. Some of the listeners of this show probably feel themselves aging as we talk. Who is Dougie? Is this a friend of yours? Oh my god. Yeah, he was. Dougie Fresh, I miss you, buddy. Sure. Oh god, we, we weren't ready for a podcast. <laughs> ah. Sure. Again, all theoretically, because uh, HBO is currently a cluster, and I think they have the rights to it right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, in fact, they just purchased the... Legion of Renob animated series. Oh, sorry. I just got. I just. I just got texted. It canceled it. Oh no. Sorry. We worked so hard on those character <laughs> concepts. Damn, I had a whole pitch packet. I just, just as an aside, with this, this. We had Ezra Miller on board. Can you? <laughs> they were going voice imagine? Lenny. Can you? Oh, can you imagine working? For so long on something that you've put so much time and effort into, and you're basically done with the project, and uh, it gets pulled out from under you and never to be aired by the studio. Can you can you imagine? So this that is Batgirl, but it also happened to like a bunch of lesser known shows. The uh, Scoob sequel. The Scoob sequel, of course. Oh, we were going to cover that, and it would have been awful. <laughs> Remember fucking Simon Cowell was in the first one? Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know, man. It should have been the Harlem Globetrotters. Your idea was so good, I literally forget it was Simon Cowell sometimes. <laughs> Stupid. Um, anyway, we we watched together. Sure. Oh no, I did take notes. Oh, okay. Sure, we can do the play by play. I'm in. I also took notes. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Sure. Goes to it. Who's it? I'm sorry. This wiki is very dense. Whoever writes this is the same person that writes the Scooby wiki. <laughs> Tyler. Sure. Despite those similarities, he's not your favorite character. Sure. Uh, I wish. Uh, I, I wish there's this Adventure Bros video game. I just want to live in this world for a bit. <laughs> is there? Is there not at this point? Look, I mean, there's a fucking maybe, King of the Hill a flash game. game. Do you know there is a King of the Hill game? I did not. Uh, nope. The only time a person has appeared in the video game is Brock and Poker Night Two. I really enjoy him at that though. That's fine. I don't want to play poker. <laughs> he's so though. good. He's he's a. I think he's alongside um, Claptrap from Borderlands. Yeah, I'm just looking uh, at an Ash from Evil Dead. Ash from Evil Dead, who's voiced by one of the main characters of Verdemic Shock and Terror. Which one? 
the 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 black haired guy with the short hair. Oh, not Alan. I th I don't think so. That's inc wow. What a what a career from Birdemic to something. Well, actually, the girl in that has like a whole career. She's uh, like she has a blue check mark on Twitter. I think she's like big in video gaming she's the one that outed max landis because they used to date and he was like an abusive monster nice what a weird career her. right yes good for her uh daniel weber is his name let me see oh my god he was in the punisher Wait, this might be a different Daniel Weber. <laughs> I think this is definitely a different Daniel Weber. <laughs> this is definitely shock and terror. Because the the one at like award shows and acting is blonde, <laughs> and the one in Birdemic. <laughs> he played he played Rick. He played Rick in in Birdemic Shock and Terror. Yeah, Bert, Rick is uh, the friend in it. I'm looking at him now. He's. Very dark. I, I just I, I I googled it and it came up with his quotes and the first one is Man, that was a good movie, an inconvenient truth. <laughs> I'm man that it is. I'm getting myself a car that's environmentally friendly. <laughs> oh god. We just fucking six degrees of Kevin Bacon Birdemic Shock and Terror by talking about this. Well, nine six degrees is the same guy. Or it's not the same guy. <laughs> no, no. No, I mean I mean we I guess it's one degree, but like, could you imagine <laughs> did you imagine when we started this podcast talking about Birdemic of all things? <laughs> comparing uh, this the Violet Adventure Bros. Oh no, I uh, uh, uh. Me and Chris do a podcast talking about bad comic books, and it ended with with all of our social media turning into Restore the Dark Verse, and all of our cover <laughs> photos being the Dark Verse, the Universal, the Universal Dark Universe. Yeah, the only picture oh. of all five cast members. <laughs> I th I think we have enough clout to get the ball rolling. Everyone oh just God. keep retweeting it. So yeah, I'm used to tangents. <laughs> Welcome, junior scientists, to the Venture Bros Bros podcast. This is the uh technically 10th episode i believe uh because we've done one of the prologue and the other nine uh that's where we're at despite the fact that this is the literal 10th episode ever made in production code meaning that the ninth one not the prologue is somewhere else which is all very confusing and i don't know any of it production code will someone showed up this nerd what up it's winston how can we make your tomorrow better <laughs> Winston, I need to ask you a very important question. What's that? This is this is Clark, the co-host, and then Winston is the the other co-host. Winston, Pete White and Doctor Billy Quizboy are roommates who live in a uh, trailer park, much like us. Much like us, and both of them have degrees 
in high concept science. Much like us. Much like us, because we are both scientists. But tell me, who is who in this relationship? Am I Pete White or am I Billy Quizboy? Boy, that's a great question. I think I'm Billy. What do you? What about you? That you know, I was actually gonna say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I feel. I don't know. I don't think either of us are. Are either of them? Well, they're, they're, they're two different characters. Yes, they. Well, neither of us are neither of them, obviously. But this is all theoretical physics, as my degree states. I have, and not uh, a bachelor's of arts in history. That would be useless. Yeah, of course. I'm a doctor. I'll take a look. <laughs> uh, boy. But yes, Billy is obviously the funner voice to do. I, we can both agree with that. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh I guess that was St. Cloud, but it's <laughs> funner to say Billy Quizboy than Pete Waite. Yes. But, but we can say that these are the two weirdest-ass characters that you could possibly <laughs> come up with. It's, at one point in high school, Chris and I came up with characters for our shitty little comic by opening the dictionary and pointing at a random word and then combining it. So we got Frowning Fruit Errer, which is a fruit inspector. Uh, we got a Tri-Headed Sergeant, I believe. That's pretty good. And so if you go in and you pick, like, albino college roommate or, uh, was it hydro... What, what does Billy have? Oh, fuck. It's at the tip of my tongue. Uh... Well, when you type in Billy quiz, it autofills to Billy Eilish quiz. <laughs> uh, he's hydrocephalic. Hydrocephalic. Uh, and along with that, he has a robot hand and, and an eye patch and a lisp. It's just... you've have a giant dartboard of adjectives that you blindly throw at and you're like ah, oh, you get some all i guess <laughs> all right well instead i actually have another important question for you are you ready oh i'm ready eilish's debut album was called when we all blank where do we go which phrase belongs in the blank fall asleep <laughs> die disassociate leave home I'm going to say disassociate. Uh, you are wrong. The answer is fall asleep. You are not a true Billy Quizboy fan. <laughs> oh, God. I'm really showing my age, too. <laughs> but you see, I need to go to school for eight years to get this degree. That's why I'm not a hip Zoomer like our listeners. <laughs> I know who Billie Eilish is. I know her song. <laughs> uh, I don't. Anyway... Um, now for my third and final most important question of the day. Welcome, Junior Scientist. <laughs> what invention are you showing off today? For too long, the auto industry has been just jamming us up the ass. <laughs> just jamming over and over. And I'm going to revolutionize the auto industry <laughs> with the simple technique that made Wendy's famous. It's called... Not cutting corners. That's right. Every time you see a tire, they're cutting the corners off. I'm introducing square tires. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know why that's funny. It shouldn't be. Oh my god, I need to, like, get a better sense of humor. 
Hey, the people at home had to pause their podcast because they're pissing themselves <laughs> laughing. Did, did you know we only use 12% of the tire? <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had this square tire joke prepared two weeks ago, but I'm like, well, I have to use this, this Morgan Freeman penis joke now. It's very timely. It's very timely. That movie only came out two weeks ago, right? Uh, now you see me too. <laughs> now to see now me. To see me. So d- did did you have an invention? <laughs> it was square cars. It's a DVD called Now Three See Me. Yeah, my invention was square cars. <laughs> it already exists. It's called the Kia Soul. I- I wasn't even joking. I was thinking of like a, like a, a cyber truck, but worse. <laughs> Less polygon. Less polygon. Yeah. You need to make sure the render distance is as low as possible so people see you. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Today, we are going to be talking about. Are you there, God? It's me, Dean. Which is the ninth episode of Venture Bros. Season 1, technically 10th after the pilot. Dad! Why are you doing this? I, I don't know what I did. Suddenly it just felt like someone kicked me in the rocks, and they never took their foot away. All right, Dean, you're going to have to pull down your pants. I have to palpate the region. Please, Dad. Please, please, please don't fill me up. Winston, is there anything that our overlords have to say about this episode? Of course, the title comes from Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, a middle school novel by Judy Bloom, who I loved as a kid. It's all about a girl growing up with with her parents' interfaith marriage while also dealing with puberty. Because of that, it is banned because it talks about periods. (laughs) Is it banned? You know, like in the South. That's true. Also, what the fuck? It's a it's stupid. It's, you know, it's if it's going to happen, and then the kids are going to be like, "Oh, what the fuck? I wish I had read a lighthearted novel that could tell me about this." <laughs> this book is also one of the most challenged and banned. Oh my god, why? I don't make up stuff for this show. My doctorates wouldn't allow me. Sexually offensive and amoral. Well, this shout-out goes to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Fundalac, Wisconsin, as well as Zimmerman, Minnesota. Good job Ooh, challenging Zimmer. and or banning this book about a, a, a teenage girl having a period. This is really, this is where you gotta take your stand. They come at you and they're like, I want to talk about periods, and you go, no, you move. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's, you know, the yellow flag that's like, don't tread on me. It's got the snake. <laughs> the snake is a tampon. It's don't bleed on me. Oh, that's going right on our t-shirt shop. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Oh, fuck. such a niche shirt. I hate it so much. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, we should, we should talk about the... We gotta get into this, because I gotta talk a lot about penis fishes. <laughs> okay, that's perfectly fair. And you get to talk about them almost immediately. 
Uh, as Winston said, are you there, God? It's me, Dean. Um, the episode opens with a uh, set of very generic sort of African drums. Uh, they are in the Amazon River, and somehow, never explained, the Mark has captured Doc, Brock, and the boys, and is dangling them over the Amazon River. Uh, bound by ropes, they hang there, and the monarch starts monologuing about their dreaded fate. Uh, this episode is one of the most quotable, I think, in the entire series. There are so many good quotes from it. As, as uh, Monarch threatens the boys, Brock says, no, I can get out of it. <laughs> once you stop talking I'm gonna like, kill you all and, and, and the monarch's like what are you Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> Dean thinks that the fish um, that uh, is currently threatening them is a piranha and in fact the fish that the monarch is threatening them with is called a kandiru Dr. Venture accuses the monarch of making the Kandiru up, but as per usual, Dr. Venture is incorrect. Winston, why don't you give us a small, oh, in, your best, small? in your best Benedict Cumberbatch voice, tell us about the Kandiru, please. Why Benedict Cumberbatch? So you can mispronounce it several times. Like he mispronounces the word penguins. Penglings. Penguins. Can... Can... can. I can't, I don't, I won't have to listen to him. I don't have time for that. Kandiru's. The, so the Kandiru is most famous as being the Amazonian fish that is able to swim up your pee stream if you pee into the river and then infect you from the inside. The earliest published reports of Kandiru attacking a human host come from 1829. He did not observe it, but was told about it from the native people in the area. And this meant that the men would tie ligatures around their penises while going into the river to prevent it from happening. However, they also this might have been to prevent piranhas from biting it. Okay. Now, let's talk about some Kandiru entering the human urethra. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Only That's one the case I came has ever for. been verified, and even that is kind of iffy. In 1977, in Itacoteria, Brazil, a victim, a 23-year-old man who only went by his initials, claimed a kandiru, quote, jumped from the water into his urethra as he urinated while thigh-deep in a river. After traveling there, the, traveling to another city, the victim underwent a two-hour urological surgery who removed the fish from the body. Now, Wikipedia... Yeah, I'm citing my sources. That's right, I use Wikipedia. <laughs> that's, that's gonna get you failed, man. There is basically a doctor or a scientist who appears to be so obsessed with this, he, like, hunted down the doctor that performed this surgery and, and ended up, like, getting the, uh, getting the actual fish that was preserved by the doctor. And so, he, anyway, here are some bullet points. According to the doctor, is going to be basically impossible for a fish to swim up a pea stream because of simple fluid physics. The fish was basically too big to get inside a pea hole, and it, there's no way it would have the leverage to get in. 
uh, the doctor's paper claims the fish was attracted by the urine, but once again, that has been discredited. The do- the doctor claims the fish had, quote, chewed its way through the ventral wall of the urethra into the patient's scrotum. However, the doctor notes that the candiru does not possess the right teeth or strong enough dentation to actually do this. And more important, and possibly most important of all, the doctor claims that he had to snip off the Kanduru's grasping spikes in order to extract it. Yet the specimen provided had all of his spikes intact. <laughs> to wrap it all, to wrap it all up. Oh my God! The scientist stated that even if a person were to urinate while well, quote submerged in a stream where Kanduru live unquote. The odds of that person being attacked by Kanduru are about the same as being struck by lightning while simultaneously being eaten by a shark. So go ahead, pee in those rivers, everyone. Oh my god. Yes, so I guess in conclusion, yes, the Kanduru do exist, but they shouldn't actually be no able penis to threaten fish. you like that. Yeah, they... they... Correct. Yes, they are a real, a real <laughs> thing, but no it's like, a, it's just an urban legend. They... It, it, but this dude apparently did have, I don't know, I guess it could have just been a doctor got a vial, one in a vial and came up with this story. That's probably what happened, because I was going to say, how did this dude actually get, get one shoved up him? But never mind, Aston answered. <laughs> Can I take back something I just said? What, you don't want to pee on the fish? No, I am afraid of penis fish. <laughs> Uh, but specifically dolphins, because those are rapists, and I don't want anything to do with Indeed, them. Indeed, there's a whole King of the Hill episode about it. Yes. Boo! Boo! <laughs> can't, I can't wait for our King of the Hill Bros series. It's 13 seasons, and they're all pretty good. <laughs> that would take forever. Holy shit. Oh, I guess. What if we do a show about half the length? It's called Lost. <laughs> that would take forever twice, because the episodes are three times as long. And we'd be discussing lore for hours on end. (laughs) The Kandiru uh, threat happens, and as they're being lowered into the river, Dean Venture suddenly begins to squirm and yelp in pain. Dr. Venture demands that the monarch let him go, citing a medical emergency uh, from a guild of calamitous intent law. The guild that uh, the monarch says he's only a part of for the dental and health insurance, (laughs) which is hilarious. The monarch complies, but insists on taking Hank Venture as insurance to ensure uh, the uh, Doc Venture's return. And Brock accompanies Hank because he has orders. He's not allowed to be the uh, sole. He's not allowed by his job to be the sole uh, Bait, I guess. How would you say that? Uh, I guess the sole uh, hostage. Yeah, he has. To, he has. To, he's the bodyguard, so he has to stay with at least one of them. Mm-hmm. Also, this episode is one of the only examples I think in the entirety of the Venture Bros. And I might be off base, so you can tell me I'm wrong or back me up here. Oh, I will. <laughs> that Doc Venture talks to the Monarch. Like, just now? Or, or, like, overall? Overall. I don't remember them having a lot of conversations, but they have, uh-huh. a, they have a short but meaningful monologue here. Or duologue, I guess. Like, I'm, I am pretty sure it happens, but yeah, I can't come up with an instance. This is kind of embarrassing. I'm going to flip through my book. <laughs> 
they had. I, I guess. I guess one sh- one off comments and the monarch threatening him doesn't really count. They have several sustained lines of dialogue to each other, and I don't think that happens almost at all ever in the show. It, it does happen again. I think in one of the later seasons. Oh, uh, at Doctor Hatred's or um, I'm sorry, Sergeant Hatred's party when they're playing that name game where you have to guess whose name is on your back, mm-hmm. the monarch talks to Doc there and he's just yelling at him. He's like, you're a miserable piece of shit! <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you only got here because of your father. George Bush? <laughs> I'm not even sure who the punchline is. It might. That's a George good choice. Bush, but... That's a good choice, though. A brainless failure and live entirely off your father's name and fortune. Uh, George Bush? Hardly! Never, never hated anyone as much as you! Oh, wait, wait, Hitler? Did he have a famous father? Worse! Wash up! You should just admit that you will never amount to anything and drink poison! Oh, is it, uh, Socrates' son? Um, so... Uh, but anyway, yeah, good catch. That's very weird for, you know, arch enemies to never really communicate. Yeah, I don't think it's that weird at all, honestly. Um, Doc does not take the monarch seriously. He rarely talks with him on purpose. So... <laughs> yeah, he's just annoyed by their whole relationship. But I just found it unusual, like, uh, just... Because I, I can't really easily reference this, and I guess if we're going to go through this entire series, I can be proven wrong that way. But yeah, it's it's really hard to think of another moment where they're just talking to each other. Interesting. Fans write it. <laughs> tell how tell Clark how wrong he is. No, I'm fine with that. I don't mind being wrong. So uh, Hank goes with the monarch in a flying butterfly mobile. That I don't know if we ever see that again either. Um, no, we usually. That might be the Monarch Mobile, but then it turns into a Nissan Stanza. <laughs> uh, Hank and Brock go with the Monarch in his flying vehicle while uh, Doc takes uh, Dean on the X-1 um, and starts to try and pry into what's going on with him. Uh, Dean complains about terrible pain in his no-no place. Uh, and he's holding around his junk for most of the episode. And Doc is like, Doc's trying to get to the bottom of it. And he says he wants to do a inspection of the area. Dean is fervently against this idea. Uh, Doc says he doesn't trust, uh, he, Doc thinks that Dean got something from Triana, uh, Dr. Orpheus's daughter. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, people who dress like that are always doing dope. Yes, and then he says... You can tell me, I'm hip. Yes. Clark, are you hip? (laughs) I'm not hip. Dean, have you been shooting dope into your scrotum? You can tell me, I'm hip. (laughs) Uh, And according to Urban Dictionary, dope. People who do not do drugs call marijuana dope. People who do marijuana call heroin dope. Despite the fact that Doc does do drugs... Most likely Adderall. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always assuming he meant weed, though. Yes. This is funnier that way. It is. Oh, definitely. Uh, Dean insists that Doc calls a doctor. And who else does Doctor call? Or uh, Doc call but uh, Winston? Billy Cliff Boy. Yes. <laughs> That's awful. It's not. It wasn't great. Yeah. Master Billy Cliff Boy. Billy Cliff Boy. 
Got you. Got to really put it in the jowls there. Master Billy Quiz Boy. Oh, uh, see another adjective. He, why is he called Quiz Boy? You don't find out till season four. <laughs> well, no, they kind of explain it. No, they say you're not a boy. That's it. They say you've been coasting this like boy genius thing, but they don't say why he's a Quiz Boy. It's true. He does look old. Like it's got like it's got like crow's feet. So I don't know how he keeps trying to get away with that. Oh, he looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. It's missing an eye, missing a hand. Before we fly out of there on the the Monarch jet or whatever, Monarch mobile, mm-hmm. uh, in the book they discuss the scene a little bit that Doc doesn't quite remember the details of it, but he believes that this jungle setting is because Jackson Public was probably egging him on saying, hey, make it in a jungle, put a jungle in our pulpy TV show. So he came up with the most adventurous, pulpy thing ever. They're in a a jungle in a dangerous situation. Some crazy adventures happening. There's, uh, I believe we just rolled over that Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine. That's correct. And so does the episode. So I don't know. Which is an amazing MacGuffin. (laughs) And and then they say, so we, we... build up all this grand adventure then then have stop freeze you can't do this and then we just fill you with all the mundane things you wouldn't care about (laughs) that's very true the wiki when you click on grover cleveland's presidential time machine it does mention that it comes back in a future episode i have no memory of that and it says this is fictional uh in parentheses as far as historians know (laughs) i do like that a little bit Someone on the wiki is sneaky. Oh, oh you, want to, you want to talk about sneaky wiki? We'll get there. <laughs> uh, the inspiration for this episode is from Doc Hammer's very own life. I Quote, I was probably out of ideas at this point, so I dug back into my own personal shame. That one was me. I, I had testicular torsion. It was like a fucking weird nightmare where my balls spun around, and I had to get them unspun. Everything that Billy says is what a doctor said to me. <laughs> Unquote. Hey, man, you want to hear a fun fact about me? Oh, my God. Yeah, same, dude. It sucked. Holy shit. How old were you? Uh, I was in college when it happens. Holy cow. <laughs> Not You didn't tell me? No, of course I fucking didn't. What do you fucking think? I usually start our conversations with, hey, Clark, how's the balls? <laughs> Oh, it was so bad. Thankfully, I didn't need surgery for it. But it sucked. (laughs) I I am so hesitant to find out how you didn't need surgery. Was just yoga? Yes, yes, aggressive yoga. They did pretzel-like things to me. Eh, you know, you know my family, Winston. My dad doesn't really believe in doctors, so it was just pliers and something for me to bite onto. No, um, you know how, how, never mind. I'm not going to get into it too far. I want to hear it. I don't really want to say it. What if someone at home is suffering with this? How did you cure it? Then we will include a link to the Wayback Machine that you gave me of the testicular torsion website that Venture Bros made. Well, there is that, but you can tell me off mic how you solved it because I really do want to know. Sure, I'll tell you that. Suffice it to say, stop imagining my balls. So, <laughs> the 
they go back uh they uh doc recruits master billy quiz boy and pete white as his assistant despite the fact that pete white is a computer engineer who has no business getting near a boy's twisted testicles um back on the uh back on the monarch mobile hank is there and he's reading the guild of calamitous intent bylaws um and uh he's he's having a genuine good time looking through this thing uh this red book from the guild and he's like whoa there's a guy who guards his compound with cheetah robots and the monarch says oh yeah the zoo creeper which <laughs> i just wanted to mention that because that's a great villain name that is such a good name <laughs> There's no other reason that I wanted to mention that, because it's not important to the plot, but I really like that villain name. What's the best pun-based superhero slash supervillain name you've come up with? Oh, that I can come up with? Well, I assume that through our various lives of being obsessed with children's properties, <laughs> we had both, because I know I have one, Behemoth, and... I, yeah, it's kind of like Fat Chance. Oh, no, I guess it isn't. His gut is a giant mouth that he could, like, you know, stretch and eat a car and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, there's definitely, like, things like that. Like, yokai like that guy. That's, yeah, that's a great... I like that um, visual. Oh, best in my history. I guess Badbarians, probably. Oh, that's so good. You're right, yeah. The Bad Barians is it's very, very lazy, but it turned out very well, so. <laughs> I just watched something, I have no memory of what, but they kept saying ba uh, Barbarians, and I kept expecting them to say Bad Barians, because it is so <laughs> within my vocabulary now. It's so sad. <laughs> I gotta find to work those guys into my fantasy books somehow. I don't know how yet. Yeah, you want to hit that New York Times bestseller, Badbarians, the true story. <laughs> Back uh, at the cocoon that is so secretly hidden in the middle of the Grand Canyon in plain sight, the monarch returns to his lair. Uh, the lights are off, and as he flicks them on, his henchmen all surprise him with a birthday party. <laughs> ah! And then, yeah, his immediate reaction is to shoot one of his henchmen in the face with a dart. Same. In this house, we don't call 911. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Fucking don't tread on me, Flack, with the tampon. This is great. Your mic is cutting in and out, so I can just hit, <laughs> hear intermittent laughter. It's just the, the, the fucking stupid flag again just popped into my head. It's so stupid. So we, we sell two flags on our website. In this house, we don't call 911. It just says me shooting at a surprise party behind my couch. And then, and then don't bleed on me with a picture of a tampon. Uh, uh, so, yes, so... The monarch is celebrating his birthday and he gives Brock and Dean tour of the flying cocoon. Despite the fact that Dean has, or rather, sorry, Hank has been here before. And he, he mentions as such, he's like, 
Well, all you gave me is that smelly little, that smelly jail cell, literally. And Mark's like, you wound me. <laughs> Burn his clothes. What about you? I didn't sleep in my clothes. <laughs> burn, burn his sheets. Burn his bed. Number 27, burn his sheets. Yeah, and speaking of numbers, we completely rolled over. It's probably their, not their first appearance, but kind of their first appearance, 21 and 24. Yep, yep, they are here, um, and they will show up later, because I have that, basically that entire monologue written down is a great quote from this episode. Uh, <laughs> they're mammals! Uh, also, hey. also, there is a, there's, in the birthday scene, something else I just fucking flew over. There is a henchman... It's like, oh, someone got him, Brock and da- Brock and Hank. It's like, <laughs> another henchman's like, yeah, all I got him were these coupons. One for a free to- car wash of the Mark Mobile, and one for a free back rub. And the other henchman's like, isn't that your job normally? And the first henchman's like, yeah, but these are coupons. Yeah, I I wrote that guy was lispy henchman. I kind of wish Lispy henchmen stuck around. I kind of wish uh, they introduce a bunch of weird voice henchmen in this episode. I, I wish they all stuck around. It'd be like the Smurfs. We have Ray Romano, squeaky voice, Lispy. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so, uh, back on the Venture Compound, hey, uh, Dr. Billy Quizpoy and uh, Pete White discovered the cause of Dean's pain after Dean insists that his dad move behind the curtain. Uh, he has what is uh, formerly known as a testicular torsion. Uh, the pain that is caused is not by a candiru, which many people might have suspected at the beginning of this, but rather, his balls have twisted around in an uncomfortable angle. I, I actually didn't look up testicular torsion. I'm sorry, I should have. It's but, fun. you know they spin around you probably got the gist of it from this episode yes yes i have a uh, theoretical doctor doctorate degree <laughs> dr billy Quizboy and pete white attempt to convince dean it's it's very difficult to convince dean to first take off his pants and then to have the elective surgery there are quite a few steps involved but billy Quizboy tries to assuage dean's doubts by saying that it's a walk in the park and pete white says yeah walk in the park but with genitals for trees <laughs> uh and eventually uh they do convince him back uh at the uh monarch's lair um he is trying to impress upon uh brock and <laughs> his name is hank <laughs> sorry have you seen the just have you seen the show notes. before yes i've seen well what do we usually do you make some i'm gonna get dr venture speech and then you know oh, we can't do that man this is sad ah! crap you scared me don't you have nothing else to do but harp on dr venture why haven't you tried the world domination thing you afraid of the big leagues please how stupid do i look to you world domination i'll leave that to the religious nuts and the republicans thank you but i wouldn't be so quick to judge the monarch has his hands in many sinister soups just an off day 
I thought my birthdays were lame. Brock and Hank, how um, how awesome he is, and he sits in his little control room in the flying cocoon, and his henchmen are just sort of doing Sudoku, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. Yes, he has the great line, uh, Brock calls him, it's very sad that he's just obsessed with Dr. Venture and waiting for things to happen. He suggests, why don't you take over the world? And the monarch replies, conquering the world? Are you nuts? I'll leave that to the religious nuts and the Republicans. <laughs> yes, I wrote that down as well. The monarch has his hands in many sinister soups. <laughs> <laughs> the monarch has his hands line. in many sinister soups. It's this just a, a very quotable episode. Off day. <laughs> uh, he off. He says Hank will be getting a good sell. Uh, he will be even better than Arthur Fonzarelli sleeping above the garage. Yes. This, of course, is a nod to Arthur Herbert Fonzarelli, better know that, known as. Fonzie or the Fonz, yes. a fictional character played by Henry Winkler in the American sitcom Happy Days. He was originally a secondary character, but was soon positioned as a lead character when he began surpassing the other's popularity. Too many, Fonzie is seen as the epitome of cool and a sex symbol. Thank you for so thank you for so much, Fonzie. Oh. And the way the way that Did you want did you want too much information? Just you fucking wait. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hope I accidentally skip over what, whatever we're about to talk about, but I think I know what it's going to be, and I can't skip it. Yeah, I think you know, <laughs> and I took so many fucking notes from the wikia. <laughs> so, um, uh, one important thing to mention uh, before uh, we we go to that monologue is before they put Dean under before his elective surgery, uh, doc mentions how, um, he could have fixed this in the prototype phase in reference Ooh. to the testicular torsion. This will be important later. Or will it? It will. I guess it will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah, they tease another his mystery. Hank says he doesn't even know his mom, and the monarch says, I am your father! <laughs> it's kind of just thrown away. Yes. Nice. Freaks him out for a second. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then monarch mocks him by saying, Oh, daddy! You're my daddy! You should see your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is kind of where monarch started to become the monarch that we know and love. Like, he had yeah. appeared here and there, but... This is so fucking good. He's so petty. He's so shitty. <laughs> he is so shitty. So, we we skip to a conversation between two henchmen. As Winston says, this is sort of the introduction to 21 and 24 as they're having a conversation. I will go ahead and have that conversation now. Come on! They have one female servicing a large group of males! That implies a species that lays eggs! Oh my god, you're crazy! Smurfs are obviously mammals! Please! She'd be an estruous 24-7 if she didn't lay eggs! Papa Smurf has a fucking beard! They're mammals! <laughs> 
And then no. suddenly... Clark, why... Uh, no, 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 you're not getting away from this. <laughs> no, no. Clark, why don't you see, uh, why don't you read that message that I just posted in our chat? Okay. <laughs> Smurf economy. Oh, there no. we go. So the Smurf economy... The Smurfs community generally takes the form of, co of a cooperative, sharing, and kind environment based on the principle that each Smurf has something they are good at and thus contribute to. Smurfs <laughs> in return, each Smurf appears to be given their necessities in life, housing, clothes, and food without using any money in exchange. Sounds like some goddamn socialism to me. <laughs> They're communists! Now, I did the riskiest Google search of all time, and I looked up how do Smurfs reproduce. <laughs> oh, no. In mainstream, or lamestream as I call it, Smurf media, Smurfs reproduce in a non-physical way. All babies, all baby Smurfs are brought to the Smurf village from an unknown location on the night of a blue moon by a stork. Since the mainstream Smurfs are, by nature, a single-gendered race, unnatural-born Smurfs are mostly male, with female Smurfs being magical creations. Strangely, in the cartoon show, baby Smurfs' gender is rarely, if ever, revealed in any interpersonal conversations among the adult Smurfs. So, Clark, I, I think you probably leaned away from the mic, but I imagined you just took a very deep breath, and you're like, okay... That wasn't that bad. I knew the Smurf talk was coming, but it wasn't that bad. That I... was one fourth of what I had. <laughs> no! No, save yourselves, audience. You're not trapped here. <laughs> the next one is. So this kind of confused me. Go it, listen so to the... lore! So I'm like, okay, open and shut. Like, unless we have, you know, some weird comics or maybe the movie does it differently. But then the next section is Empath Smurf. The Smurfs in Empath, the luckiest Smurf, can re reproduce physically since they are by nature a two-gendered race with both genders having reproductive organs similar to that of humans. A young adult Smurf of 100 years of age is considered physically developed and capable of reproducing. Although societal norms suggest that a Smurf must be at least 150 years old to marry and have children. I am trying to skim, skim it. Uh, okay. However, despite that adult Smurfs may be physically capable of reproduction, their belief system holds that only Mother Nature has the power to allow conception to happen at her discretion during any acts Jesus. of sexual intercourse. Tapper, which is a name of a Smurf apparently, being more of a Christian than a follower of the Smurf's belief system, <laughs> claims that only the Almighty has the divine right and power to allow conception. Wait, there's a Christian Smurf? So that's what I got. I'm like, wait, what? So, once again, this was called the em Empath Smurf. So I'm like, what the fuck is Empath Smurf? Someone put their fan fiction on the wikia. <laughs> oh no, this got way worse. And apparently it's allowed, because I don't think there's enough Smurf lore to have their own <laughs> their own wikia. So pe people were commenting on it to saying it's fine. Can you, can you, you want to do that to like... To like that that one show with the talking car and give it like really deep lore. What's that fucking thing called? Uh oh god, speed buggy. Speed buggy. You want to give speed do some speed buggy wiki delving? Speed 
Speed Buggy loves to fuck, but his youth pastor says he shouldn't. <laughs> uh, There's only one cassette tape stuck in Speed Buggy. <laughs> uh, Clark, oh, you just kind of cut out. Did you just say, what is the gestation time of a Smurf? <laughs> no, I did not. Okay, so, well, at least in Empath, it's usually around seven to nine months after which they are delivered through the birth canal and nursed for about ten years until they can develop an appetite for solid food. They're nursed for ten years? (laughs) Well, remember, 150 is, like, 20 to them. During the pregnancy, the female Smurf may experience morning sickness and strange food cravings. Her mobility may be limited as the child inside her grows to at least seven eighths inches tall unexpected mood swings may also occur within the pregnancy the birthing process is considered painful for most female smurfs though in the case of empath's mother and eventually smurfette who were both carrying children with telepathic abilities experience very little pain oh my god someone really went deep in here holy shit how do you find this stuff First Velma chat, now this? And then the last fanfiction, Smurfs, light and dark. Oh my god. And I'm imagining imagining the Sonic Adventure 2 chapter select screen. (laughs) What is that, (laughs) Smurfs doing the pose? Regardless of their physical readiness, most humans are not mentally ready to reproduce until they near adulthood. Chastity is considered a, quote, heavenly virtue, which prompts most heterosexual lovers to wait until marrying before engaging in close intimacy. This simultaneously ensures that both partners are ready to become parents should the end result of their intimacy be a child. I'm realizing it. this was only humans. I don't really want to go back to this website and see if that goes double for Smurfs. Just pretend it does. <laughs> Oh my so god, what, how how do you how do you find this fucking stuff? Uh, I wish I smurfed. I fucking hate. Oh my god, I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> you got me smurfing me, bro. <laughs> oh, I looked up uh so smurfs light and dark, they just have to beg Mother Nature and receive her blessing to uh, receive a, a male Smurf baby, and then female Smurfs are are done through a magic spell. Is that, uh... What's that fucker's name? Gil... Gorgamel? Gor- Gargamel. Gargamel. Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is a different guy. Gargamel, I think, is a Smurf in Hillen. What's really sad is, I when I said Gilgamesh, I was actually being serious. Really? God, I'm dumb. <laughs> not dumb. You, uh, you just you just outed yourself as not a Smurf lore expert, which is probably good for reality. <laughs> oh god! The, all this Smurf fan fiction on on a recent Inhumans podcast, at, we wrapped up by Chris saying like, like why would anyone like the Inhumans when the X Men are right there? <laughs> and and this is how I feel. Like, why are you dedicating your time to Smurfs when? Basically, every other fandom exists. Like, there's, you know, conflict and characters and good art. Fun fact. Hank Azaria... Did you write Smurf fanfiction? Hank Azaria played Gargamel in the live-action one. Oh, I know. I did know. Did not know that. 
You're telling me you didn't watch the Smurf movie as research for this podcast? <laughs> What's his cat's name? It's a fucking yeah, cat. Yeah, be Smurfing me, bro. Asriel, I think. Oh, I never would have got that. God, I, I hope our next episode is about a Smurfs episode. Oh my god, no. I'm good. I think we're good on the Smurf facts for now. <laughs> no, wait, one more. I found some more fan fiction. Oh, uh, okay. Be quick, though. Hero Smurf, who is, wears yellow booties, a yellow hat, has a badge on his arm, and has an H on his head. Or his full name, uh, Kakarot Son Goku Heroic Smurf, mostly known as Hero. Oh my god. That's some <laughs> early 2000s cringe right there. He is a Smurf with a golden H on his forehead with a special key powers that include energy beams and blasts. He also has the ability to fly. <laughs> anyway, Clark, let's get back to the Venture Bros. I think everyone's about to kill me. They're like, I'm getting all these emails that say, I am. if I get one more Smurf fact, I am unpledging. <laughs> well, you know, it, it could be worse, Winston. We could be talking about fucking Lucy for another half hour, so... What? Wait, Lucy? Like... Like I I love Lucy fan fiction. No, the the fucking oh, brain I... usage <laughs> movie. Once again, this was not a bit. I was just so dumb. <laughs> I forgot we have that whole bit. But I'm only blaming on how forgettable that movie I never saw was. It's it's apparently very memorable. Because, I only like, used twelve percent of my brain. She turned into a flash drive at the end of the movie. I remember that so vividly, how she turned into a flash drive. The way you're saying turn into, I'm imagining Optimus Prime transform. No, she melts into one. Oh, well, I guess you're right. <laughs> I thought you meant, like, I always imagined she, like, plugged her head into a computer server or something, but all right. There nope. we go. Yep. Okay, so let's, let's, let's finish her up. You gotta be smurfing me, bro. At the end of this Smurf monologue, one of the henchmen gets attacked. They quickly call the monarch who is in the main chambers without Brock there. Uh, and uh, henchmen 21 and 24 are, are crying for help at the bottom of the lair, saying that, I think it was two ninjas taped together to make one giant ninja. <laughs> Here's, wait, wait. His calf muscle rolled up like a window shade. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a fucking gross line, but I can oh. imagine it so well. Oh, ever since I learned about the Achilles tendon, that's all I can visualize. <laughs> so a bunch of henchmen on the bottom floor of the cocoon got attacked. Uh, and then suddenly Brock Sampson appears on screen, knocking 21 and 24 out, but not killing them. And say, playtime's over, Monarch. And Monarch Monarch uh, orders his henchmen, 18, 31, 38, and 40, to stop him. Uh, and then uh, thanks Brock for making his birthday more memorable. <laughs> That's a pretty sweet moment. It was. I did like that a lot. Uh, it did involve, however, the murders of a lot of henchmen. So there is a montage. Uh, the montage is three different scenes. One is a heroic surgery scene featuring Billy, Dean, and Pete. One is a fight scene with Brock and a bunch of henchmen. 
And the third one is Doc sitting on the couch eating a sandwich. These scenes go one after the other. <laughs> and the same scene of Doc eating this sandwich does not shrink whatsoever. Doc just continues to eat it on the couch while his son is in surgery and his bodyguard is fighting for his life. Well, what, what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to pace nervously for two hours? Uh, he's not nervous at all. He's eating his sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I guess if he was like a... If he was, you know, any other person, we'd be like, this is horrible. But as we've encountered, this is not nearly his, the worst thing he's done. I forget <laughs> what we rank the worst. Probably stealing his son's kidneys. Orphan. There we go. Yes, Orphan Heart. Right now, it's it's Orphan Heart. Worrying about his son is fairly low. Using an orphan as a uh, part of his experiment is... <laughs> I don't know why Orpheus still likes him after that. Well, they wanted to reference that movie, Arcade, that no one else will remember, and they doomed the entire character progression for it. <laughs> so, um, Brock shows up in uh, the bedroom of the monarch, where Dr. Girlfriend is reading uh, a book, Beyond Good and Evil, by Frederick God is Dead Nietzsche. And... <laughs> She's like, oh, are you here to ravish me? Just get it over with quickly. <laughs> I uh, wasn't thinking about that. You weren't? Uh, no. Well, I'm not gonna beg. <laughs> Frederick Nietzsche. Sorry, I spent all my time looking up Smurfs. You had a choice. Isn't it Between Smurf, yeah, Nietzsche. You had a choice. You had a choice, okay? Between... Yeah, and I want to talk about some old dead guy who's like, oh, life sucks. Spoiler alert, I already know that. You know what I don't know? How Smurfs reproduce. Um, so, uh, Frederick Nietzsche has, has showed up um, in basically two animes. Okay? Okay. One of them is known as Berserk. And was one of the prominent, he's one of the prominent references in the anime known as Berserk. It is a very popular anime about a, a man named Guts and a big old sword. Uh, it's uh, often referenced when talking about Nietzsche. But Winston, we've watched another anime together with Frederick Nietzsche <laughs> When you said he had appeared in an anime, that is what I jumped to. And it ain't One Piece. It's not One Piece. Winston, do you remember the name of that anime? I have no fucking idea. I know what it is. I don't know the name. It is The Laws of Eternity. The Laws of Eternity is a recruiting film for a Japanese cult. Yes. They made an anime, and one of the primary villains in hell is fucking Frederick Nietzsche. He's alongside Adolf Hitler. The philosopher Nietzsche is considered by this cult as bad as a man as Hitler. It's a crazy fucking video. Made me want to join the cult. They meet Buddha who's been reincarnated into a white girl I think. I know Jesus is in there. Oh, fuck. Isn't there someone with, like, anime bird powers? 
that yes, uh, his name is God Eagle, and technically, <laughs> technically, it's more of like a he's more like an angel. But yeah, no, he turns into a fucking bird. I, I am, am both God, God eagle. and Eagle. That is why I'm called God Eagle. <laughs> he's. It, it, it's a Rick and Morty character. It's bird person. It's bird person. It's, it's the fucking God Eagle. Uh, apparently, the the uh, protagonist is the reborn messiah of this cult. And Frederick Nietzsche is one of their supervillains because he sicks a giant elephant on them. You know, I'm starting to think this uh, cult recruitment anime was a little weird. <laughs> All right. So, a standoff in the monarch's uh, lair. The place is an absolute pigsty. Brock, Brock has murdered dozens of henchmen. All to make the monarch happy on his birthday. And probably because he was really fucking bored. And then, in the middle of this, Doc Venture calls them. And because the Guild of Calamitous Intent means that uh, Brock and uh, uh, Brock and uh, uh, Hank weren't... I keep doing that. Brock and Hank weren't supposed to be in any danger. They scramble to try and make it seem like they weren't doing anything wrong. Despite the fact that Brock is absolutely covered in henchman blood. Come in, Venture. Hey, hey. What is your status? Over. And who may I say is calling? You know damn well who I am. I just said this is Dr. Thaddeus Venture. Now put the monarch on. Yes, this is the monarch. Everything is super great and normal here. What are you talking about? Has your son died yet? Or was he faking it? No, he had a legitimate medical condition and that's been solved. My testicles spun around. Hey, Hank, I had emergency surgery. Dean, Daddy's talking now. I'm ready to finish this business with you now, so if we... What is... Is that blood all over you? What's going on over there? Now this, this is jelly. We were just enjoying a gift pack of assorted jams and preserves. Mmm, mm, yummy. Brock, Hank. Everything is fine, Doc. Just had a little. Party. We had a birthday party. Hey, Pop. Is that true, Hank? I guess. They meet up back at the Amazon. Not quite. Uh, what about the most awkward moment of Dean's life? Oh, yeah! Fuck. Almost skipped by that entirely. I did not take good notes of that part. Yeah, you're just you're just doodling smurfs in the margins like usual. So, uh, yeah. So, Doc surprises Dean. His He's wearing a diaper that is made out of bandages and gauze. And Doc surprises him by some friends to cheer him up. And the friends are his next-door neighbor, the weird scientists he just met, Helper and his crush, Triana. He is currently laying on the couch with a weird diaper made out of bandages. And Dr. Orpheus gives him a decorative fetish statue saying, I hope you didn't have one before. It's a Zuni fetish doll from Trilogy of Terror and Trilogy of Terror 2. <laughs> and I do have a question about a line. Uh, Billy says, quote, Billy Quizboy. You're as good as new, maybe even better. I hooked you up with the complete package, if you know what I mean. So did he give him, like, giant testicles? I am not certain what that could imply. All right, well, Clark, you've dealt with this disease. <laughs> disease. 
And then uh, at one point, Hank, uh, when they're on the video call, Hank makes fun of Dean's weird dog dick, and uh, and it's revealed that Hank is circumcised while Dean is not. Now, big question: Does this meet? Does the foreskin glow, grow back in the clone tank? Oh my god! I'm gonna guess no, because this is not the first version of them. Yeah. So so Dean. For whatever... Gas leak. That was the silent killer. Yeah. For whatever reason, Doc made the clone version of Hank circumcised, but not the clone version of Dean. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I am wrong because the, the beds scan them and that's where they get the information to make the clones. So let's say for a medical reason, Hank has to get... Uh, circumcised well Dean doesn't and then they both get scanned so that's it <laughs> looking forward to the episode where Orpheus is freaking out about their souls <laughs> their immortal souls <laughs> uh, okay um, finally uh, Trianne Orpheus uh, as the last person line does not give Dean anything, but instead asks him if it's the most embarrassing day of his life. And Dean says it is. Then the monarch call happens, and then back in the Amazon, uh, the monarch is dangling the entire team over the river once again. Uh, and as he, as he starts the descent into the river, Hank cries out in pain. And the episode ends there, or hits the credits at least, except for to one be more continued. scene after the credits. Testicular torsion isn't just something on TV, it's a real problem. Testicular torsion only occurs in males usually under 25 years of age. If you're experiencing sharp pains in the scrotum, swelling in one or both testes, or even blood in your semen, your genitals are most likely dying. That's right, Doc. So if you want to keep them, you need to seek medical attention as soon as you experience pain, like Hank and Dean here did. So don't be a jackass. Go see a doctor. If you want to see... If you want to keep your testicles healthy, remember these three words. Stop, touch, and tell. To find out more about testicular torsion, you can look at special medical books. A website appears at the bottom. Or on the interweb. <laughs> and that's it. And oh, that's God. the episode. In the credits of this episode... Kimson Albert is known as Kimson Dreaded Kandiru Albert. <laughs> I see uh, someone else is on the wiki. I like how it says here, Doc Hammer wrote this episode basing off his own childhood bout of testicular torsion, period. He has fully recovered, period. Like, he, <laughs> like there was a doubt about that. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we were... <laughs> It'd be hilarious to be still battling with it. Well, it's, it's hilarious a hard fight, to everyone that's fight. not me. <laughs> and remember, you can only hear Clark's full Clark's full testicle story if you 
pay $500 a month. <laughs> yep, it's a special tier in Patreon. I will send you a personal link if you pay us $500 of my story of testicular torsion. And I will retell it every time differently, adding more and more falsities to it. Hell, for four ninety nine, I'll make one up, and it'll be much better than his story, much raunchier. True, true. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. Is there anything else to add to this episode, Winston? No, I I've got it all. That's it. Uh, have a very Smurf day, and next week we'll be covering that. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, you're okay. You're waiting for me. Tag sale, you're it. I'm also looking it up. <laughs> it's tag sale, you're it. Uh, Smurf sale, your Smurf. <laughs> Fuck off with the Smurf oh, stuff. Always end on a high note. Chirp. I'm gonna always hire Alan Tunnick to yell at you about Smurfs. Oh, was he was he in Smurfs? No, but he's really good at shouting. Oh, okay. I've only hired Hank Azaria to be like Smurfs are great. <laughs> I was in the movie. Well, anyway, uh, that's good soup. Smurf it up. That's good Smurf. All right, really, really the done. All right. <laughs> Fuck off. Chirp. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh no, we'll cut that maybe. Uh, that's your call. You're the editor here, man. You can sit. You can you can follow that sword if you want. Chirp. Oh, just I'll put in the after credits. My favorite podcast, uh, Beach Cops. They once one of the hosts in his hometown. They had a place called Tooters. It was supposed to be Hooters, but like for women's butts. But they got sued by Hooters, so they just had to change to Toots. <laughs> so, the host of the show just got obsessed and like they constantly talk about toots they pranked called them a couple times their their uh, mascot is named drafty who's a draft beer so they they sent them through like their contact page a list of like 15 mascots they came up with one of them was like oyster jones whose catchphrase is you gotta be oystering me man <laughs> One of them was Fruit Cup Francis, who lost his entire family in a DUI. <laughs> they didn't hear back. That's a shame. It's a shame. What a waste. We'll, we'll adopt Fruit Cup Francis for our podcast. Chirp. Oh, editing is so great. I seem competent sometimes. Hell yeah, brother. Chirp. Oh, thankfully, it's after the credits. I can admit my PhD is in Smurf. <laughs>